Good afternoon, everybody. <clears throat> okay, Bezrat Hashem. We are now within the 30 days of Pesach. So Bezrat Hashem, we will be learning the preparations for for Pesach. Today's year we'll be discussing Bdikat Chametz and Bitul Chametz and Bir Chametz and Mechirat Chametz, everything to do with all the things that we have to do in preparing for the actual Chag. And next week, Bezrat Hashem, we'll focus on the Halachot of Leil HaSeder. Um, there will be a two-part series. So let's begin regarding the laws of Bedikat uh, Chametz. But it's interesting, the laws of Bedikat Chametz actually are connected to the laws of learning about the Chag. And let's see. So the Gemari in Masechet Sachim is traveling overseas or is going on a uh, desert journey and he's going in some type of leaving the train or whatever it is. The Gemara was talking about some type of caravan. If you leave your house before 30 days of Pesach, meaning if you left before Purim, you don't need to worry about the chametz in your house. But within 30 days, the obligation kicks in and a person has to be uh, uh, cognizant of the fact that there might be chametz in one's house and take precautions. Where do we get these 30 days from? Since when does the obligation to worry about chametz apply 30 days before the chag? Says the Gemara, we learn this out from the following brighter, Kedatanya. That we have to learn out the halachot of Pesach 30 days before the Chag. Where did the brighter learn this from? Because we know that the Torah describes how Moshe Rabbeinu on the first day of Pesach, is teaching Am Yisrael, those people who were impure, what about the laws of Pesach Sheni? As it says, and then it says, and the whole story about them coming to ask Moshe, what did they do? And he answers them. So we see that the laws of Pesach Sheni were taught on the first day of Pesach Rishon meaning that there is a principle that one has to learn the halachot of the Chag 30 days before the Chag. But based on that principle, therefore the Gemara assumes that there's also an obligation to be concerned that a person doesn't have chamet uh, in one's house. <coughs> that chil kicks in 30 days before the Chag. Now this is very critical because we know many people go away for Pesach, a lot more than perhaps a hundred years ago. And therefore this halakha of going away 30 days before the Chag, um, one still has to worry about cleaning one's house and checking, will apply uh, to, to, to many people who go away to hotels, etc. Lich ora, they still applies an obligation to check one's house. Okay, now there, there seems to be a contradiction to this halakha from a Gemara in Masechet Megillah. The Gemara in Masechet Megillah, Daf Daleh says, Moshe tikenlem Yisrael, shu shu'alin v'dorshin b'inyano shel yom, 
יוחד פסח בפסח, יוחד עצרת בעצרת, יוחד חג בחג. It says that Moshe Rabbeinu instituted a takana that people have to learn the halachot of Pesach on Pesach and of Shavuot on Shavuot and Sukkot on Sukkot. So we don't hear mention anything about 30 days prior to the Chag. So what's going on over here? So we have two or three answers of the Rishonim. The first answer is the answer of the Ran. The Ran says... When it says Moshe Tikenem Lisel Shushalim Bedorshin Binyanoshal Yom Hilchot Pesach, what does the Ran explain what that means? Meaning that on Pesach we have to actually darshan out the halachot of Pesach. That is the Ikaradin, that you need to learn the laws of Pesach on Pesach. Bahadam Rinan Baalma. And that which we said, that's which what we learned about in the Masechet Psachim, the 30 days prior, explains the run a novel approach. That is a separate topic. And that is the lab. It is not telling us that we have an obligation to learn out Hilchot Pesach 30 days prior to the Chag. Ela lomar shashohel ben bebeta midrash botozman mikre shohel keinyan. Rather, it's telling us, and I don't want to go into this in too much detail, that a Talmud who asks a question to his Rav 30 days before the Chag, it's considered as if he's asking his Rav on the topic that is being learned at hand. We have a general principle that a, a Talmud shouldn't go and, and ask the rab if they're in the, in the middle of learning Masechet Yavamot, all of a sudden to ask him a question regarding Masechet Bovakama. It's not, uh, it's not uh, so uh, polite for the Talmud to ask. That's considered in, in the Gemara's terminology, Shoel Shalokinyan, he's asking a question on a topic that is not being learned and it's not appropriate, explains the rab. Then when Gemara says you have to shalim v'dorshin 30 days prior to the Chag, that even though the yeshiva is now learning Masechet Yevamot, if a Talmud comes and asks his rab about Hilchot Pesach within 30 days, that's acceptable. That's Shoel Kenyam. But not that there's an obligation to learn Halachot prior to the Chag 30 days. That is the opinion of the Ran, as we'll see. It's also the opinion of the Rashba and a few other Rishonim. However, Tosvot explain different. Tosvot say, Although there's an obligation to expound 30 days before and on the, the, on the, on the halacha of Pesach, for example, Nevertheless, there is another second obligation to talk about the halachot of the Chag on the Chag itself. Uh, the Beit Yosef has a very interesting uh, um, explanation. He says, "V'had the Tanya she'shalim v'yochot Pesach b'Pesach v'yochochag b'Chag." Highly drush b'tamim she'ba'avuram nitzavinu b'moed kahu. Right. So he says like this. Really, there's perhaps Pesach. There's a special din 
because you need how's it going to help learning all the halachot of bitzel chometz on Pesach? You need to have prepared. You need thirty. You need the certain halachot that you need to know prior to the chag. Hagalat kelim, how to kasher your vessels, etc. And then he says, and that which we say that you have to learn the halachot of Pesach on Pesach. Explains the Beit Yosef. It sounds like there's one, the 30 days prior is Kilchot Halachic Shurim. But on the Chag itself, now we go into the Ashkafic reasons behind the Chag. So, according to the Beit Yosef, it seems to be two types of obligations. One is to know the Halachot that you do prior, 30 days prior to the Chag. And on the Chag, one should delve into the nature of the Chag and the reasons behind the Chag. Lamai say, how do we pass? One asks regarding Hilchot Pesach 30 days prior. Now, the Bira Lacha basically says that. Uh, it's not so clear why the Shulchan Aruch used the terminology Shualin and not Shualin Vedorshin. And one of the reasons that he gives is that Shualin could be, as we explained, if you come and ask a question, meaning that one could understand the Shulchan Aruch that he paskin like the run. That what? The Me'ikar Adin, there's no obligation to learn Hilchot Pesach 30 days prior. And all the Gemara was telling us that if the Talmud asks about Hilchot Pesach within these 30 days, it's considered an appropriate question. And that's why the Shulchan Aruch used the language Shualin and not Shualin Vedorshin. However, although that explains the Shulchan Aruch, he pretends that many Rishonim argue, including Rashi and Tosvod and others, that there is actually an obligation to learn the halachot of Yilchot Pesach prior to the Chagim, and that it seems to be the tzach of the Mishnah Bura. On the other hand, Rav Yosef wants to say as follows, and we'll, we'll, we'll say it very briefly. Um, let's just go into the, uh, the second paragraph. Before I answer, I just want to uh, raise everyone's awareness to the fact the Mishnah Bruna pointed out that the Ran was like a Dat Yachid and therefore we can't pass Kanakim and there really is an obligation to learn Yilchot Pesach prior to the Chak but the Rabbi Yosef wants to say no, the Ran and the Rashba are not the only Rishonim who hold this we have a chain of prophets who are giving prophecy in the same style. That's an, is, is um, being uh, uh, using literary connotations to describe the Rishonim. And that what? And who are these? The Ramban and the Rashba and the Ritva and the Ran and the Maram Chalaba and the Meiri, etc. And therefore, he says, that what? That there is no absolute obligation to learn Yilchot Pesach before the Chag. 
ומותר לכל תלמיד חכם להמשיך בלימודו במקום שליבו חפץ. בעיקר הדין, you can carry on learning what you want, you think דף יומי מסכת יבמות, carry on learning יום מסכת יבמות, you've got your sure whatever it is, carry on. However he says, המורה הוראה definitely has to be back in all of the halachot uh, prior to Pesach, especially Chag Pesach. There are so many halachot that Rav has to prepare. Hagalat Kalim, Hachsharat Kalim, Tvilat Kalim, and then there's all the questions of Bitu Chametz, and before we even get to Leila Seder, and obviously the halachot of uh, Cholamoyed, etc. So there's a lot to prepare for, but that's the bottom line. But the bottom line is, Me'ikaradin, at least according to Rabbi Vadia, there's no absolute chiyuv to learn Hilchot Pesach beforehand, but according to the Mishra where there is, and everyone agrees that it's a good thing to do. So in, in the spirit of the Rishonim that say we have to, and in the spirit of the Rishonim that say that it's an appropriate thing to learn in any event, we are going to now start with the halachot of Pesach prior. And the first thing that we need to deal with is the laws of chametz, right? We know that there is a Torah obligation uh, that we one has to get rid of the chametz. Not only is there a Torah obligation of tashbitu, of getting rid of the chametz, of destroying the chametz, there is a Torah violation of owning chametz on Pesach. Right? That we cannot, a Jew cannot have ownership of chametz in any way or form, and uh, this is going to have ramifications. So since we have a Torah obligation to get rid of the chametz, and we have a Torah violation of owning the chametz, Chachamim instituted <coughs> something unique that we don't have regarding any other laws in Hilchot Kashim, and that is a search and destroy obligation regarding chametz that we do not regarding uh, pork or, or, or um, any other non-kosher food. We don't have a mitzvah of search and destroy and bitul. The rabbis instituted it, and Bezrat Hashem will discuss why and how. So the Mishnah, first Mishnah in Sachim, tells us as follows. Orla Abasar, the eve of the 14th, meaning the night before Leila Seder, we search for chametz with a candle. So we need to search for the chametz and get rid of it. But any place that we don't usually bring chametz into, one doesn't have to worry about checking it. That means if one has an attic, I have a roof that, that theoretically I've got an attic, you can, you can climb into it with the ladder. Since we don't bring chametz there, the whole year, there's no obligation for me on the 14th night to get in on a ladder, open my attic, and uh, climb in there and start checking uh, for chametz. Now, the question is why did the rabbis institute this bedika? Is this bedika a din de rabbanan or is this the bedika a din de oraita? Explains Rashi. Rashi says, Bodkin, we do a bedika. In order not to transgress the Torah violation of owning chametz, right, 
Therefore, the Chachamim instituted searching for it. Now, it's not so clear if this is a Din the Oraita or the Rin the Rabbanan. Lichora, the simple understanding of Rashi is that it's a Din the Rabbanan in order not to violate the prohibition of Valyre Valyamaxi. Let's see how the Toswat, famous Toswat, in the beginning of Masech Sachim, explains this, uh, this Lichora Takana. Piresh Akuntras. Rashi explains the kashelari, but this is very difficult. The cave and the tzarich pitol, since the rabbis obligated a person to be mevatel his chametz to nullify it, the ama begemara habodek tzarich shrivatel, even when he searches for his chametz, needs to nullify the chametz. Umid oraita bebitol baal masag. Now from the Torah. It's good enough to nullify the chametz. Uh, if, according to Tosvot, the Gemara says one who does bedika still has to nullify, and according to the Pshat, nullification gets rid of the obligation to at all. We've got rid of the problem. Why would the rabbis institute a bedika? Meaning, if the problem is to get rid of the issue of valyere valyamatze, owning chametz, once a person has nullified his chametz, he's no longer in violation of valyere valyamatze. So why do the chachamim institute this bedika? So answers Tosfo, venire leri. It seems to the re. The afal gav desagi bebitu ma'alda. Although it is true, it's enough to basically nullify one's chametz. <laughs> the sages said that that's not enough, but one has to search for chametz and destroy it. Here is the big chidush of Tosfot. The concern, according to the sages, is not, as Rashi says, that we might violate the prohibition of Valyre Valyamatse owning Chametz. The problem is solved. Once I've done my nullification, I'm no longer in violation of Valyre Valyamatse. So why do a Bidika? Because a person finds a very nice uh, 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 brownie biscuit on, uh, on Pesach. He's done the nullification, and because he's done the nullification, he's right now not over on Valyere Valyamatze. But it's such a good looking brownie biscuit that a person might forget for a moment that it's Pesach and might come to eat it. And because he might come to eat it, so Chachamim instituted a special bedika that you're not allowed to, uh, you're not allowed to, um, that, that even though a person has nullified, One's uh, chametz, one still has to check. Now, it seems according to Tosfot that the reason one has to do the bedika is why? Because I might come to eat the chametz. Now, if a person is not going to be in his house, then he's, he's going away for, for Pesach, he's going to a hotel. So he's locking the door, no one's going to come there. So, seemingly, the concern that a person might find the chametz and come to eat it, 
would not be applicable in the case of Tosfot. Whereas if I understand that according to Rashi, Rashi for some reason says that the reason Chazal were attacking the Chiyuv of the Dikat Chametz has got nothing to do with Amal come to eat it. Rather, it's in order not to violate the prohibition of Balere Balimatzeh. Now, notwithstanding the question of Toswot, if that is the reason, it makes no difference whether I'm going to be at home or whether I'm going to be in Tiberia for, for, for Pesach in a hotel or not. I would still Lichora need to do Bidika in order not to violate the prohibition of Balire Valimatse. The prohibition of Balire Valimatse only Khamets applies anywhere in the world, meaning I can be in Yad Binyamin in Israel. If I have a property in a lot and there's Khamets in a lot that belongs to me, I am in violation. And therefore, it makes no difference if I'm actually going to be in the geographical vicinity of that place or not in order to violate the prohibition of as opposed to how Tosfot understood the takana of, of searching. Searching is specifically for the sake that I might, that I don't come to eat it inadvertently. If there's no way that I'm going to be able to get to um, a certain area because of, I mean, another country, for example, perhaps according to Tosfot, the Chiyuv wouldn't apply. I'm not saying that Tosfot says you don't need to do that because the Chorab, we might have another principle and that is Lokplug. Once the Chazal, once the site has instituted an obligation to do a decree, they didn't distinguish between every scenario. But at least on a theoretical level, there could be a difference between the, the, the Chiyuv of Bedika according to Toswat as opposed to the Chiyuv of Bedika according to, according to Rach. But we still have to deal with the question that Toswat asked. Toswat asked a, seemingly a very good question on the Shit of Rashi. If we know, as Toswat say, that Bittal Baal Masagi, that nullification is good enough in order to get round, circumvent the person from violating why would the sages institute a specific takana of searching and destroying the chametz? Why is it not good enough to know? And here the run explains that Rashi. And let's read it. Right? This is the principle. When the Torah says, get rid of your chametz, there are two tracks in which one can get rid of it from the Torah. Either one can basically destroy it through nullification, meaning nullifying one's heart, any chametz that a person owns, and in his mind, he removes it from his ownership. And that is enough even for a loaf of bread that one knows is sitting in one's pantry. If a person nullifies that loaf of bread saying, I don't want to have anything to do with it. It's, it's like dust of the earth. It doesn't belong to me. According to the run, that would be good enough. Or 
at track number two, another possibility of fulfilling the mitzvah of destroying chametz tashvitu. Tzarich min haTorah sheyivdoka acharav b'chol makom shehu ragil dimatzei sham v'yavarenu min haolam. Another way to get rid or, or to fulfill the mitzvah of tashvitu is to search for the chametz and destroy it. And therefore, according to that understanding, when a person searches for the chametz and destroys it, he's actually fulfilling a Torah obligation. And it's not just a takana de Rabbanan, it's actually a kiyum de oraita. There now explains the Ran. Now Rashi explains. That's referring, referring to a person who doesn't do bittle. While the Mishem of but a person who does do bittel, does nullify, that would be enough. However, since this nullification is dependent on a person's heart, what a person's thoughts, then people might not have the correct thoughts completely. People might not completely have intention to nullify the chametz completely. The Seder says, look, you've got two tracks, either bitul or either bitul or uh, and search and destroy. But since we worry that people aren't going to nullify it correctly, the sages instituted that we need to do both. The question is, hold on a second. Understand why the sages said that maybe a people are not going to do the nullification correctly. So that's why they said do the search and destroy. But then if you've done the search and destroy, why do you have to do bitul? Explains, uh, explains the ran right, that basically we were concerned uh, that that either a person's not going to fulfill it, going to miss something, or if he just relies on bittel, right, then there's another concern that he might come to eat it. What Tosfot mentioned. The bottom line is that whether the reason is in order to get rid of it, mitzad or whether it's, so in order that you don't eat, we have an obligation to check the chametz and destroy it as well as doing bitul afterwards, nullifying it afterwards. Now, Rabbi Akiva Eger asks the following shayla. Rabbi Akiva Eger says, what was the concern that the Ran said, pointed out that, you know, why did Chachamim not uh, say that, that nullification is enough because some people might not have the correct intention. But Rabbi Akiva Eger says we have a rule that we find in the Talmud, and that is Dvarim Shebeleiv Enam Dvarim, that thoughts of the heart have no halachic significance. Let's give an example. Let's say I'm going to sell my car to uh, to Chaim Shmerel. Chaim Shmerel gives the car, it gives me uh, 50,000 shekels. I give him the car keys and I say, here's the, the, the thing. And we, we do a Mike Sekinyan and we do the deal. 
And then half an hour later, I come back and say, yeah, here's your 50,000 shekels. I want the car back. He says, no, I'm not interested. We did the sale. I said, yeah, but I didn't intend to do the sale. When I gave you the keys, I didn't really intend for it. I stopped making all these stories about how I didn't intend to do the sale, even though I gave him the keys. The halakha is if he would take me to Beitin, every Beitin in the world would say, the car belongs to Chaim Shmerel. Why? Because dvarim enam dvarim. That that I had in my mind that I didn't want to really sell has no halachic significance in general. Okay, there's certain cases where it might be when I was forced to, and then there's certain, but in general, dvarim enam dvarim. So based on this, Rabbi Akiva, you're also following question. I don't understand, says Rabbi Akiva. The Ran says that why did, according to Rashi, why did the rabbis obligate us to also do bedikah? Because we concerned that when people did bitul and they said, Kol they didn't have the correct intention. Ask Rabbi Akiva Ega, who cares? We have a principle. As long as a person said that it's hefker, etc., that's good enough. Okay, got the question. So says Rabbi Akiva Ege, and let's answer this Rabbi Akiva Ege. And by the way, this Rabbi Akiva Ege is quite important for another field in Halakha completely. And that is, what about Geirut? Okay, I'm not going to get into the sugi of Geirut, but one of the big questions of Geirut is when a, a non-Jew is performing the conversion process, he has to state or she has to state that they accept mitzvot. And the question comes about, well, what happens if they didn't mean it? And then there's a question of dvarim dvarim. Who cares if they didn't mean it? They said that they accept it. Well, let's read Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva Eger's uh, answer over here. And, and, and maybe we can shed light also regarding Hilchot Geirut as well. So says Rabbi Akiva Eger, Madura Kama, Siman Chavkimu. So one has to say, I the question is, what happened to Dvarim Shabalevim? Really, this isn't a classic financial transaction, meaning sale with Mr. A or Mr. B. Hefker on a certain level is a transaction, meaning instead of me having to sue the world, meaning I'm making an order, but it's a certain type of transaction. At least that's how most or, or many of the Rishonim understand how Hefker works. But he says over here, in our case, it's worse than that. It's not proper Hefker. Frozen, Rabbi. Oh, and now that we are trying to work out and what is in his heart, I mean, what is his intention? 
problem. And we do not apply the principle of meaning Rabbi Akiva Ege has brought a very, very important distinction regarding this concept of things that thoughts in one's heart have no significance. Says Rabbi Akiva Ege, that's true in terms of transactions, when you're trying to do sales with another person, and it's between two people, and we're trying to work out what was going on. However, if it's a, a, a statement is trying to reveal not a transaction, but what is in a person's heart, then if we have reason to believe that what the person is doing is not sincere, what he's saying is not sincere, then that has halachic significance. Now, obviously, this Rabbi Akiva Ege, as you can understand, has um, very much has great significance also regarding Hilchot Gerut. Um, whether we apply this Rabbi Akiva Ege to the laws of Hilchot Gerut, whether this Rabbi Akiva Ege is even accepted, um, it's a big, big discussion in Halacha in Hilchot Gerut. I'm just pointing it out that there might be a correlation between the two um, the two different fields of halakha. Okay. Now that we've understood that we need to do bedikat chamek for whatever reason, um, whether it's to get rid of the problem of ownership, whether it's a, we might come to eat it, whether it's because we're concerned to nullify it with a complete heart, we know that there's a rabbinic obligation to do bedikah, even if one is going to nullify it afterwards. Now the question comes in, when does one do the bedikah? So we already saw the Gemara previously, we started this year, where one has to worry about chametz 30 days before the Chag, meaning that's if one's leaving within 30 days of one's house, one should do the bedikah the night before one's leaves. But let's say one's going to be at home. Regular scenario, when does one get home? It explains the Gemara in the Sech of Sachim Daftalet. Meaning, the Mishnah already told us that we do the Bedika the night of the 14th. Explains Rav Nachman why the Mishnah, why the sages instituted it to specifically do the Bedika at night, the night before Leila Seder, two separate reasons. Number one, people are found in their homes at night. I, the sages didn't want to, to cause everyone to leave their work in the middle of the day to go to Bidika. So they did it when everyone was at home. Number two, they wanted the Bidika to be the most effective. And the most effective time with the candle is during the evening, at night, when the, the light of the candle shines uh, brighter. The Gemara uh, latest brings sources why one needs to use a candle, um, etc. So we know that there's a chiyot to do Bidika. Now, um, because of these two reasonings, number one, night time is when most people are at home. Number two, that's when the candle is best. We, know, we see from this that if one is not going to be at home, let's say one's leaving to go to one's children or, or, or vice versa, and one's going to be leaving two days before Pesach, they're not going to arrive an hour before Chag. 
So when should you do Badika? We see from here that one should do Badika Dafka at night. Okay, if you can't do it on the 14th, over here we're talking about if one does Badika on the 14th. But if one can't do it on the 14th, then one should still do uh, it on the night of the 13th um, before one leaves one's house. Now, when on the night should one do it? Explains the rivet. Explains the rivet. Why did the Mishnah specifically use a very strange language? Or la basa, right? It should have just said Leila Basa, the night of the 14th. Why use the language or la basa? Explains the rivet, or meaning that there's still a flicker of light from the from daylight, meaning it's mamish going to be just as nighttime arrives. And this is how the Shukhanak rules. One has to uh, do the Badika uh, by a candle at the beginning of the night of the 14th. Bechorin of a stakin, and you have to check the nooks and crannies. Bechorin of a stakin, in all the places where one usually uh, brings chametz uh, and explains to Mishra Burra, what does it mean in the beginning of the night? Immediately after nightfall, because there's still some type of uh, light. You know uh, that's still in the atmosphere from the, from the setting of the sun. And one does it as soon as possible in order that one doesn't uh, forget or or become negligent. So there's a Gemara. Hold on a second. If we have to do do the Badika straight away as the night time comes in, one of the person wants to learn Torah at that time. Explains the Gemara in Achim. Amar Abaye Hilcha, Haytzuva Merabonen, Lo Liftach Beidne Beurta that leisa the Nagi Abasa. A person who's a Talmid Chacham should not begin studying his Dafyomi as soon as nightfall comes. Dilma Mishka Chaleish Maite Baati Limnoyem Mitza. He might get so engrossed in his learning that he forgets to fulfill the mitzvah. Of um, the mitzvah of searching for the chametz. Uh, but if a person comes from the field, he goes to shul. And if he is accustomed to having reading Torah, he reads. If he is accustomed to learning Mishnayot. The correct Kriyachma Mitpalel, he says Kriyachma and he doubles. So it's the case over here, the Gemara makes a distinction. A Talmud Chochem shouldn't start learning because he might get so engrossed in his Talmud. However, consider, well, why are we not concerned that a person will forget to do the mitzvah? So this is a machlok between the Bach and the the Bach explains um, that the mitzvah of Kriyat there's no, there's no concern, right? That uh, uh, 
Um, sorry, the opposite. Uh, why are concerned of reciting that one might forget uh, Kriyachma? So the back says, because that happens every day as opposed to the mitzvah of the Kriyachma is all but the other chiyuv is the shulchan aruch as follows: Yizayek kol adam shelo yatzir b'shum melacha v'lo yochal ad sheivdok. Right? You can't eat or do anything until you do bedika. And if apilim yeshlo eight kavuah liyamod, if you have a set shiur, one shouldn't sit down and learn until you've done bedika chol. However, says the Mishnah Berurah. Even half an hour before nightfall would be a problem. And loyal mod. So he says, some people are machmir even half an hour before that. And he says, don't worry about it if it's uh, only when the time really comes, but the half an hour before that, it's okay. But if a person has started learning, one doesn't have to stop. But the Ramah says, that that is the exact that, uh, <coughs> that would be the din. The Magen Abraham says, In many shuls, this is the Minag, that after Mariv, they said, Mutarin Lomar Hashiur. They permitted to say this halocha. The Dafka Mishalomed Baveto Asusheno Mukrachulim Komim Komelakumim Komo. One is a concern that people are going to forget about it. That's if you're learning at home. Right? But here it's a short shear after Marib. Everyone's going to go home afterwards. Venireli Dafka Mishomed Varacha Belopiopu. But then he says, Mishabura. Then that's a dvar alacha. Don't say you're going to start giving a long dashir. That would be a problem, even if it's not in one's house, because it might continue and people might not get to do the bedika. Okay. Um, at the end of the day, also the Ravavad Yosef, in the, the Rav Yitzhak Yosef says, you can finish the shir, but you should tell everyone at the end of the shir. To go do bedikat chametz. Okay, what about eating? Says the Yalkut Yosef, "Asul lechol suudah shel pat yoter mishu kabeitza." You're not allowed to eat a suda of of bread more than a kabeitza. Call the bedikat chametz, right? The din ha'uga k'din apat and any cake etc. has got the same din as bread, meaning more than a kabeitza is a problem. Eating bread, it's a, a fruit, would be permitted. And cafe, everything is permitted. Mishra Bura says, uh, one should try not to eat anything. But then he says as follows. Fruit is just permitted before in the half an hour before the chiv kicks in. 
Even eating at all shouldn't be guys uh, one shouldn't eat. Okay? Uh, now, what happened? Let's say a person is at work. He's only going to get home at eight o'clock at night. Says the Rav Tzion Abba Shaul. They, he can appoint a shaliach to do the bedik on his behalf. And he should check the, the shop. But if a person doesn't have a shaliach who can do it on his behalf, one has to close one shop and go and do the bedikah oneself. Okay, where is the bedikah? Where do we have to do the bedikah? So let's just read the Shulchanar because we're running out of time. says, Any place where we are concerned that belongs to us, and we put chometz there, it's going to be a problem. All the rooms that are possibilities, we have to check. Person, even though one doesn't have one's dining room, in that room, person definitely in today's age where we can walk around with packets of chips, etc., um, there's a real concern that we, we take Chomets into every room in our house. But if there's certain rooms, as I mentioned, a person is generally you know not to take food into that place, then when each um and here assuming that children can't get and wouldn't have got to those places. Says the Chazonish, Mire, the Indian Chiyuv Machitza Shetiknu Chachamim Kedaham Elel Ein Chiluk Perurin Leglus Kiyafe Yilchayavin Nivdoket Asvarim Mishum Chashah. Chazonish Rabbi Yehi is talking about the obligation whether one has to check one's Svarim. What is the concern? The concern is there might be a crumb. Now, the, the Chazonif says, okay, a crumb on the one hand, one is not over on a crumb. On the other hand, we do know that the sage is obligated that if a person finds a, uh, if a person finds, let's say, a loaf of bread, one has to make a mechitza until one can burn it, or if the bread doesn't belong to him, belongs to a non-Jew, one has to make a mechitza. That's generally what we do with the chomets that we sing it off, says the chazonish, okay, but the chachamim didn't make a distinction between closing off from a loaf of bread or closing off from a tani perur. Meaning, although there might not be a problem of valyere valyamatse, there still might be a problem of you coming to eat. And because it might be a problem of you coming to eat, you've got two choices. Either you close up all your svarim, right? Or you have to check. 
that there aren't any any um, uh, um, perurim, any crumbs. Now, Ravovad Yosef, Yosef says as follows: Huna, This is a great stringency. There's no basis for it in halacha. And no one is concerned about it. Says Rav Ovadia, we have not seen previous I'm a dab, I go see everyone, no one is concerned about this. And I've also seen my, my friend, Rav Abba Shaul, and uh, regarding the, the words of the Chazonish, they are nullified in and the little Lost the volume again. Or alternatively, check. You, can you hear anything? Can you hear me now? Okay, sorry. Sorry, I was on mute. Um, Ravavadya says you can learn from the Svarim and you don't have to worry about it. So that is a big distinction between those who hold like the Chazanish and those who hold like Ravavadya Yosef. Um, Rav Aida points out that, uh, according to Rav, Rav Moshe Feinstein, although one doesn't have to do it as a Chazonif said, check every safer, right? He says one shouldn't bring those Svarim that haven't been checked to the table on Pesach, right? And, uh, and also Rav Aida mentions that benches, which are have a, a muhzak regarding, regarding that they might have things, should not be used on uh, Pesach, definitely not on Lasseda, etc. Okay. Um, regarding places, so we'll just, we, we're running out of time, but obviously the Alkut Yosef, but all the posts say any place which is under your ownership that there might be chametz inside, one has to check, meaning one has to check one's car. Now, one could argue, hold on a second, so why doesn't one have to check one's garden? 
You've never heard of people going into one's garden backyard and starting to check the garden. So the truth is that uh, that's actually a discussion in the Shulchan Aruch, but the simple answer is, is that any uh, chomets in the garden would probably be eaten by birds. However, if you were to throw out chomets, uh, Erev Pesach, um, and you can see it lying in your garden, that would be a problematic. But we generally assume that if it's in an open area, and again, not throwing it out, uh, two minutes before Pesach or two minutes before the Isra of Chomets kicks in, we assume that birds are going to come and take it away. Therefore, there's no chiyuv to, um, to check one's garden. But a car, we don't say the same thing for a car. A car, one uh, place in the shul, etc., etc. All of these places have to be, uh, have to be checked, right? And uh, that's the general uh, principle over there. I'm just trying to see what, how much time we got left and what we can... Uh, um, Let's uh, let's just quickly do the brocha. Amar of Yudah, Abodek Tzarich Shiyavarech. Person who does Vedika does the brocha. My Mavarech, what brocha do you say? Rafapi Amar Mishmei the Rabba Levayev. And Rafapa Amar, I'll be your chamet. The bottom line is, I'm not going to go into the whole sugya, but we pass on Arach and Amayse. The brocha is, I'll be your chamet. Now, now the question is, Al-Biur means burning the chametz, and we do the bedikah. So how do you do biur when when you be, you don't do burning? You do burning the next day. Explains the Mishnah Although a person only burns the next day, since this searching is for the sake of burning it, it's part of the beer process. The ein mevarchin al bedikat chometz. The ein zesof mitzvato. You cannot make a bracha on the bedikat itself because that's not the completion of the mitzvah. The mitzvah is not just to search for the chometz, but to destroy the chometz. The gam ein mevarchin al bitul chometz came in the ikar al bitul talui belay. And we can't make a bracha al bitul chometz because that is dependent on the on the person's heart, and that's not. Uh, that doesn't work. Okay. Um, now I'm going to skip the Gemara. Let's just go to the Pnina Alacha. The Gemara says that one does bedikah with a candle and with a uh, a big flame. What are those South Africans using a torch? So explains the Pnina Alacha. Lor panas misal adin mutar livdok. According to the strict halacha, one can use a flashlight. The purpose of a candle is because the flame is very focused. It's very sharp. And similarly, the flashlight. And there might even be a benefit of a, of a flashlight. People will do a better search because there'll be no concern of burning things or of uh, dirting things. Right? And, and, and the flame is very good. He just brings down, The minag is to use a candle. But one who use, wants to use a flashlight can. Habata ner tigrom 
that the flame of the the flame of the candle will cause a fire, then it's preferable to use a candle. Generally, what I do is I start off with the candle and then move on with a flashlight. So you also be Makayim the Minag, and you also basically are, um, and you also can do a good, uh, a good checking without uh, endangering or dirtying one's house. Okay, that will be, uh, we covered most of the halachot regarding Bittal and Bir Hamid. If anyone has any questions um, before we end uh, today's share? Yes. Yes, just one, please. Do that. The people yeah. who go on yeah. holiday, I mean, if you're at home for Pesach, as I always have these, obviously you've cleared everything away. But the person doing Badikas Chometz who's Say going to is coming to Israel. Surely they've got all their chametz put in the kitchen cupboards. Your your question broke up. I didn't hear. I didn't hear it. If, if I some, if someone if someone is travelling to, uh, to be away from home on Pesach, yes. So they've got to do b'dikas chametz before they leave, whenever that would be. But yes, the person, the person who's at home, you know, pretty well cleared everything out. So. You know, you, you, that's why you need the 10 pieces of, of bread because right. you don't find. But these people, they're not going to empty, surely they won't have emptied their cupboards. I mean, they're going around and they'll have their kitchen cupboards still full of chomets. So. so basically, the, the, the question of Badika, which we didn't get to in today's year, is how, how the laws of Badika come into play when one sells one's chomets. Because Mistoma, what's happening is a person is leaving their house a week before Pesach, and there's a lot of chametz, but he's selling the chametz. So if he's selling the chametz, then even if there is chametz around, he's got around the problem because he's selling the chametz, right? And yeah. uh, he doesn't have to, and he's, and he's locked his whole house, so he doesn't need to put it in a specific area because um, uh, generally we still worry that you might come to eat it, but that's circumvented because you're not going to be there. Uh, and also, in terms of if the if it's a good sale, so the seder, most of the chametz is in the kitchen, but you we always say and any chametz that happens to be in the house. So now, what does that mean? So the poskim have suggested two things. First of all, you still need to do bedikat chametz where you're going to be, and and second of all, um, if you're not going to be able to do bedikat chametz in a place, let's say you're only getting to the place erev chag, like an hour before you should at least clean one room and do bedikah on that room. And then you could do it with the bracha the night before. That's a scenario that a person's leaving to a hotel the five hours before Chag, so he's still going to be in his house. On the 14th, he should clean one room, doesn't have to be the kitchen, he should clean one room and do bedikah on that room with the bracha and the rest of the house. He's relying on the Mechira, and that should be okay. Okay? Okay, I hope that clarified things. Tai. Not my yes, problem. Thank you, Thai. See you next week. Next week? Good. Good. Lovely. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.